to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And this week on the podcast, you know, I've been having a lot of times I have repeat guests because I like talking to them. Lately, I've been having a few new guests because I like talking to new people. So this week on the podcast, I'm happy to welcome uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Brown Belt and co-owner of DC Fighters in Fight BJJ, Mr. Chad Myers. So, hey, Chad, how you doing, good. man? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Good. I'm, I'm glad that. Uh, so, I'd like to point out that we were set to record before, and you messaged me, and you said that, you know, you messed up on your end. Yeah. And that, that's, it, it wasn't just you, my friend. I messed up, too. <laughs> uh, when you messaged me, you know, I, I, I turned to my wife and I go, oh, man. She was like, well, I was like, I was supposed to record with this guy. And I mean, like, because what I like, I told you, I got I got a bunch lined up for today. Yeah. When I was supposed to record with you, I had a bunch lined up that day and I got done with two and you were number three. And I just, you know, I was like, OK, cool time to rest. <laughs> and, you know, I saw the little um, alert days later i was like oh no what did i do so when you said hey i dropped the ball no my friend i dropped the ball myself so we both <laughs> dropped the ball it's okay but here we are recording today and i'm glad we got you know finally got it um got here together so yeah. as we were you know kind of chatting before um you know we got recording one of the questions i always ask is how long have you been training and it sounds like we've been training around the same amount of time, about eight years. Um, but what I do like to ask is, you know, eight years or eight and a half years ago when you started training, uh, what sparked that for you? What got you into it? So actually, I grew up wrestling. You know, when I say grew up, like uh, since I was in like seventh grade, I started wrestling. And then I took that all the way into a year of college. And then... Um, I didn't have the discipline in college to continue wrestling. So uh, I ended up getting into MMA about a year after that. And if you want to know a funny story of what really sparked it is there is this kid who was on my wrestling team who I could literally use him to wipe the mats and he couldn't stop me. And he kept saying, come do jujitsu, come do jujitsu. And I was like, ah, my stand-up game's okay. I'm a good wrestler. Like, I don't think I need as much jujitsu as you're telling me. You know what I mean? And he's like, just come to jujitsu class. You'll like it. And I went and this little dweeb in like a five-minute round tapped me. The number keeps going up as I remember it because it's more embarrassing the more times. But it was like six or seven times. I, I can't remember the – but it was a lot. It was too many and so my ego was slashed and I was livid. And then sure enough, uh, I ended up signing up at a local jujitsu gym because my only goal in life was to beat this kid up pretty much. And, you know, never have that feeling again. And all this, I just fell in love at like, it scratched that urge of like aggression, you know what I mean? And like solving the puzzle piece and it wasn't getting hit in the face anymore from MMA. So I think I just, I still train, uh, 
a lot of Muay Thai, you know what I mean? And still practice like mixed martial arts, but like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu became like my main focus in life. And that's, that's embarrassingly what sparked it is I, my ego was slashed too much that I never wanted that kid to ever be able to beat me again. No, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Trust me. But when I went into the, uh, trial class for well, it wasn't even a trial it was just kind of show up and you know uh take a tour of the gym he put me on the mat with a 14 year old kid you know <laughs> nice kid it was like here you know his nickname was mouth because he talks a lot it was like you know, <laughs> mouth take take dante over there and you know show him some of the basic stuff and i'm thinking like you know at the time i'm like jacked i'm you know i lift all the weights you know it's like there's no way this little kid's got anything for me nope that little kid beat the piss out of me and i only signed up with the intent of tracking this kid and getting him back and nice kid i love him to death uh he, he's been a guest on the podcast just such a good kid you know anytime i would encounter him you know outside of the gym or if he just stops in you know, he was always, you know, very friendly to me, very, very kind. And um, I remember he graduated and, you know, he's heading off to college. So one of his last classes there, he's 18 now at this point. So I'm like, yes, you know, it, it, I can legally beat you up. <laughs> I mean, assault is still on, you know, on the table if something goes awry. But, you know, it's not assault of a minor. And. <laughs> We ended up uh, in 50-50 and just kind of stalemated. It was like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll take it. These yeah. young bucks, dude. Yeah. Oh, they, they, like they're they're learning jujitsu on a whole different wavelength mm. than what what we, you know, came in on. So, for real, it's crazy. The the amount of internet exposure and explosion of jujitsu just in my time starting. Uh, has been incredible. And so they just get nonstop doses of jujitsu online from other people. Uh, you know, it's they They have no idea how lucky they are because for us, like it wasn't that way. Like when we started, it was like, you know, everyone was a crayonch, you know, if they like went to a different gym and yep. it was all about just beating the crap out of the new guy. And, and if they stayed, they were worthy. And if they didn't stay, it's like, Oh, I guess he wasn't worthy. And yeah yeah it's like now it's it's like you know you're welcomed into the gym like mm -hmm. you're part of the family we're gonna you know bring you up and that's not to say back then that wasn't the case either but it's like you say you take that ass whipping that was that was your welcoming party it was and then i remember my coach told me once and this kind of went to my head a little bit he was like dante if there's anything you know anyone could say about you man you're one tough son of a bitch <laughs> and i thought about it i was like yeah i guess i i am tough or maybe i'm a little little stubborn maybe a little dumb it's it's in you know but it went to my head so i was like oh i'm the toughest guy in here like <laughs> and no one tapped me and for the most part i was good at surviving difficult situations defending and i just got too comfortable like oh i'm tough it's like yeah but you aren't good at jiu-jitsu you gotta be more than just tough dude like oh right. <laughs> as, as my wife reminds me like you gotta actually do jiu-jitsu you can't just sit there and let them fight for the rear naked choke why are they right. only back in the first place <laughs> how does your wife train no she uh, like we've talked about it 
and you know she was like ah you know i i don't know like it was like look i would like for because everyone i know in my life i always tell them like look i would really really feel comfortable if you're trained at least go in and kind of get a feel i always say for me the rule of three whether it be therapy whether it be jujitsu whether it be um you know any hobby give it three three uh uh, classes, three sessions, whatever. That first time to get your introduction. The second time to kind of build a rapport, build some chemistry, see how you feel. And that third time is to really kind of determine if you want to stick around for it and, and keep rolling. And, you know, I said this to my wife and she's just very resistant. It's like, okay, but I'm just telling you. There's one day I was laying on the kitchen floor and my daughter was two maybe and i'm sliding around on the floor with my daughter on my stomach and my wife stepped over me like went the fake punch and i grabbed her ankle and and went to delaheva and she she goes why is your grip on my ankle so like strong you know you know you know i had like a you know monkey you know grip on little thumb and i was like that what are you talking about the grip's not strong at all it's just a regular old grip just move your foot She's like, I can't. I was like, more reason for you to fucking go train. All right. <laughs> you know how to deal with this. Right. But but we're working the kid into it at least. Heck so, yeah. Good. Every little bit. Um, so with you and and getting started and just kind of you know going through the the paces of doing jujitsu and really embracing it. Um at what point did you feel like, you know, as as you're um, going through coming from wrestling, especially, um, at what what point did you feel like you are a jujitsu player and not a wrestler? Because you know, there's always mm. that that feeling of like I'm a wrestler doing jujitsu, not a jujitsu player that used to wrestle. Like, was was there a transition for you at any point with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, at one of the schools I went to. Uh, the second school I went to, I, you know, was very aggressive, very wild, very spazzy, you know, typical wrestler. And uh, my only goal was to win, right? Because in wrestling, you have one goal and it's to like put that mother effers back on the ground. You know what I mean? By whatever means, spazziness, aggression, headbutting. No, I'm joking. But like, it's just like, you 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 have your one task and you kind of dumb down to get that task done. And jujitsu, I kind of took that same mentality because the people who introduced me to jujitsu were like, you'll do great because it's wrestling with submissions. So I took that same mentality to it. So I had a, a professor, very smart professor, that every single time he saw me on my feet or playing a top game, he said, no, play guard every single time. And finally, when I started getting sweeps, nope, go back to guard. You got the sweep, go back to guard. And he would not let me for like a full year. I was just playing guard under duress. Um, So then, uh, I don't know, sometime within there, I started to prefer it. And then my guard game got decent. And then uh, I started experimenting with my guard games and... All of a sudden, I realized that one day I was letting jujitsu come to me 
you know what I mean? Rather than attacking the person. And it, it finally made sense. Like, I'm going to take whatever you do and, you know, put it to my advantage because I'm allowing the jujitsu to come to me rather than uh, pushing forward for the attack. Like, especially being a coach and an owner, I see a lot of people, they just think that, that they have to drive. They see the the problem and they have to dive headfirst into the problem. You know what I mean? And when you're in a conflict, you slow things down a lot when you're allowing it to happen to you rather than you forcing it on somebody else. You know what I mean? So uh, allowing myself to play guard or when I say back then it was forced uh, while I was playing guard and allowing people to come into my game is when I realized I was doing jujitsu. You know what I mean? A different type of grappling. This is different. This is not wrestling. And yeah, it was... I would say about a year into that gym. So about two years into it, it was a very solid transition where I'm like, damn, I'm a guard player now. <laughs> like I'm, I'm everything I hated. And, uh, <laughs> and now I, are you as a guard player, are you a guard puller or are you, do you, you know, shoot for a takedown? I'll do whatever. Like okay. I tried to do something different every single time. I'm not, I really have no technique in terms of like, you know, you have your guy, he's a smash bash, smash passer. You have a guy who he's a leg locker. It's like, I, I feel like, I don't know. I like semi worship like Bruce Lee and other martial artists. And so the way I approach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is very much in a martial arts sense. So it's like, what's the goal of technique and to have no technique. It's like to be formless, to be water. So I'll pull guard as much as I'll do a takedown, as much as I'll go for a standing submission, you know, like I'll to, I just stay fluid with whatever I'm feeling and whatever the, uh, my opponent or training partners giving me. So I just, I'm like, I try to be that water. It's like, whatever they do, I just flow into it and become the form of that person. And I get a lot of compliments as insults. You know what I mean? I think we get a lot of our compliments by being insulted in jujitsu, but so many people, especially when they come from other schools, they're like, I've never experienced a game like yours. And uh, when I first got started, I was really a huge fan of Jeff Glover. I saw how he just molded to whatever, wherever he was at. He seemed to be just as good at, at being in this position as that position, where when you watch a lot of people, they seem to be like, okay, that's their game okay, this is their game. And Jeff wasn't really like that. And so I kind of tried to embody that. So what's nice is having wrestling in your repertoire as much as I do. And here's the reason is I was in a finals match at IBJJF in, I want to say Charleston, um, North Carolina. I can't remember if it was Charleston. It sounds like Charlotte. No, I, Sorry, people from North Carolina. I don't remember which one, but uh, the, I kept pulling guard on this guy. So I pulled guard on him two or three times. Um, we both got the best of each other. So, and this was at Brown Belt, and it was my first IBJJF Brown Belt. I want to say uh, competition, and I kept pulling guard. And then it was twenty seconds left. We were exactly tied, and it could have gone either way. But he was Brazilian, and I was Gringo. So I was like, okay, the ref's decision is going to go to the Brazilian. And so I got it. I got to do what I got to do. Uh, so he came approaching me heavily. You know what I mean? To show he was aggressive. And I took his ass down 
like a champ. Like, like I, I still have it on camera. I should probably post it, but it was like one of those ideal, perfect, you know, you would show it in a seminar type takedowns. And I got my two points because he was not expecting it. He was like, this guy's a guard puller. I have to get to him before he pulls guard. And that was his mentality mentality, not expecting. I had like, uh, advanced level takedowns in, under my belt are in my repertoire. And so, yeah, it's, it's good to be as versatile in both. And my approach to that match was to play guard. And I ended up changing my approach at the last minute to get the win. And it's nice to be able, like I said, the same exact thing. It's nice to be able to have that option to change things up because if you only have one game and someone's shutting down your game, it's that's the worst place you could ever be. You know what I mean? It's the worst place to ever be to not have an option to change things up when things aren't working. So did, did that, was that long winded that answer your question? That was perfect. Um, hey man, like I told you, it, you take all the time you need to answer any questions that, that that's, that's, that's what we're here for. Good. So, um, but no, I, I absolutely, agree with that and, and love it because I, I've been guilty of being one dimensional at some points where it's like I have a plan and I'm sticking to that plan and I'm going with this plan. As soon as you shut down that plan, I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> I, I didn't really plan for anything else because the plan was supposed to work. So yeah, definitely I, the best approach. I remember uh, people all the time, like, what's your game plan? And you know, you're getting ready for a competition. And like, what's your game plan? My game plan's this, my game. And they're just drilling the same thing over and over and over. And I, I always thought that was what you were supposed to do. And as I got better at competing, I started winning. I noticed the more like relaxed and being like, whatever happens, happens ended up being my, my approach. And I think that might add to the the, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but the idea of like, if your game plan to go into competition is this one thing and that's all you're doing, I think that's one dimensional. You know what I mean? As a martial artist, you sp- you're supposed to be a martial artist, meaning being um, versatile in all aspects in competition as well. And that's the challenge of going to a competition is being able to flow in within the high pressure and the high stress stakes of uh, a competition. So I remember my old coaches and stuff like, what's your game plan? This guy seems to be aggressive. So try to put him on his back so he can't play guard passing or, you know what I mean? And I was, I, you know, I would like nod my head, but in reality, I was just like, I'm going to take whatever he gives me. I'm just going to do, you know what I mean? If he seems to be a good wrestler and I don't want to take the risk, I might pull guard. You know what I mean? If I can tell he's not doing very well on his feet, I might take him down. You know, if he, I see he's just opening up something for me, then I might take it. You know, I just feel it. And I love that feeling of feeling it and capitalizing on something that he just gave to me. You know, I love, I love making people give me things rather than taking it from them. Well, absolutely. I'm currently in in that transitional period in my mind when we're sparring and, you know, we start on the feet, you know, I I used, you know, I still post memes about guard pulling and everything and (laughs) make all the jokes, but guess what? If it's there, I'm taking it because, <laughs> look, it, it, I was uh, sparring with a teammate the other day. He's a big fella, and he's got a grip. And the way that he gripped me, I was like, oh, this dude, is, he, he knows some judo. 
Mm-hmm. And then I start seeing start seeing uh working. I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, 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 nope. We are not doing this. I pull guard quick, you know, and and he still put a smashing on me. So we're talking after class, and coach mentions, yeah, you know, one of the last people want to put a guard on is him because he loves being there. He oh. loves smashing. I was like, yeah, I wish someone would have told me that earlier because this is my first ride with him. And I pulled guard. And I was like, that was remarkably easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think? Because I was thinking, I was like, oh, my God, my guard pulling is getting so much better because he, he's a big fella. So I'm thinking, yeah. oh, my God, I got him like that. No, he wanted to be there. He wanted, so, yeah. But well, but even still with that, it, it's like, okay, you, you still got to make things work. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you say, hey, I'm going to, instead of trying to shoot this takedown on this big dude, I'm going to pull the guard instead. You still got to have that plan to work from there because mm-hmm. now that's your game for the moment is he's in your guard. Now, you know, either submit or sweep something. You got to make that work instead of getting pummeled. <laughs> Right, and, exactly. And then thinking that I made a mistake. Yeah, dude. I get that a lot. It, It's your time, like, yeah, it's your time in the room to make those mistakes. You know what I mean? So do, <laughs> might as well do it there. Get your, get your ass beat in the practice room. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, what we call, you know, we call it the lab. You're experimenting. Right. You're figuring out, you know, what works for you. If you got something new that you're trying to tinker with, that's the time to do it. Like my grandmother, Christmas time is when she likes to experiment with fancy dishes. That's not the time to experiment with fancy dishes, <laughs> nor is competition the time to experiment with fancy moves. So, you know, that's like those thoughts are dedicated to my grandma because this year for Christmas, she made something wild and everyone ate it. And then there was me. <laughs> so a little sidetrack there um it, i've made that no, mistake a hundred times sorry yeah like i can't tell you how many times i've been in a competition i i was in a weird situation and i was like i wonder if i could grab this from right here you know what i mean and sure enough they sat back on a straight ankle or something and like got the finish or almost finished me and i was like damn it like i can't be experimenting right now like Go with, you know, I mean, go with what you know. That's experimenting is for the room and lose as much as you can in the room. And I, there's this one guy, uh, I was actually on his podcast, but he's like, I get frustrated when I lose. I was like, why? That's awesome. Like, I don't know. Imagine, let's say to get a black belt and I'm going to make up a number out of the air. So like, don't quote me to this, but let's say you have to get tapped 5,000 times before you've learned all your lessons. You know what I mean? And what I mean, all your lessons is like enough to be like a proficient grappler or whatever. It's like, cool. You just got like three more out of the way in that role. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, you're getting, you're like, you're getting them out of the way. You're, you're making all the mistakes now. And that's what you want. Like if you're not getting tapped, you're not learning period. Exactly. And you know, you, you know, the old saying, you know, in jujitsu, we don't lose, we learn. And, you know, you get some people, you know, they'll have the, the super um, hard press idea, like, you know, no, you don't lose. Losing is losing. Da, da, da. It's like, well, no, it's true, though. If, you know, I go to sit back and then they hit me with a uh, straight ankle lock. I just lost, but I also just learned. 
don't do that. That's yeah. that's clearly not the answer. I need another another option. And you know, that's where you play with those options. But you you absolutely have to embrace losing. I remember being in high school playing football, you know, backyard football with a friend, and we lost. And I remember he's screaming like, you know, I, I fucking hate losing. You know, we're like, well, yeah, none of us like it either. But we also realized, too, why that other team beat us. Well, you know, they're faster. So we got to take that speed away from them. You know, and, and usually we see each other every weekend, play the same exact game every Sunday afternoon. You know, and, and that's, you know, what we, you know, kind of embrace in that idea. It was like, OK, we know they're faster than us. Take the speed away. You know, how do you take the speed away? Now you got to experiment with things. Bump them off the line. You know force them to the inside, you know, to, to run into a safety, all these different, different options. And that you only get that through losing. If you're winning all the time, you're just going to think, oh, this always works. Right. And it probably does. But what's going to happen when you run into someone that stops that thing that always works? You haven't lost with it now to understand how to, you know, grow from that. So well, you got to exactly. be good losers. You not only that, but you got to let the pain of losing sit with you because that's what's going to settle in your brain for the long term. Like I've never made the same mistake in a competition twice. Never, ever, ever, ever. Like it's like this guy sat back on a straight ankle on me once that could have been easily avoided, but I was, you know, like in my experimental brain and I never, you know what I mean? will make that mistake again and no one's ever gotten me in that same position again uh, or same submission from that position. And I'm in that position a lot. So you, the losses will settle with you and hit you and it'll have longer significant effects on your game. So like take the losses, like feel them. It's okay to feel like, but tra transfer that energy for your future. You know what I mean? Be like irritated that it happened or whatever, like take the pain, but like push that pain into something that's going to benefit you for the rest of your jujitsu career. And I think that's what being a martial artist is, right? Yep. yep. Like you, you're, you, you learn from it. Yeah. Like a win's not going to sit with you the same way a loss is going to sit with you. And if you ignore the lessons from those losses and that's actually, I got really excited because I said that, uh, to a couple of my competitors and then like a week later i saw an old run rerun from uh kobe bryant and you know i mean like the, no one had like better work ethic than like the great like kobe bryant and michael jordan you yeah. know and so when you kind of take away what they're saying you have to take it to a whole new level of how they're applying it and he said he would watch his losses over and over and over again even though we all always want to watch our wins like when i post on instagram like i'm always posting my wins i'm always trying to make myself look good but i am like i am adamantly in the back end watching my losses watching those mistakes you know what i mean and i i've seen people and they do not watch their losses most of them you know what i mean they watch their wins because it makes them feel good of course Wow. And that, there's an important thing, though, about losing, though, too, because like you said, <clears throat> you got to take that loss, that feeling that you get from losing sucks. Mm -hmm. You don't want to feel that again. So how right. do you not feel that again? You get better. You improve upon it. Exactly. So, 
you know, it, it's all a process and it's all, all something that comes together, but it's not something that just comes together overnight. You know, that's the important thing about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's such a delayed gratification and it's not only a delayed gratification, it's a painful journey. When you lose, you're not just losing like in a chess game. You know what I mean? You are like getting beat up. You're getting injuries. You're getting choked. You know what I mean? You're getting arm barred. You're getting your legs tweaked. And that that's a painful journey. And it's like every time you lose, you lose aggressively. You lose in a thing that could have been life or death if it were the streets, you know? And it you do that for years and years and years. And the black belt isn't something they give. It's not like Taekwondo where you like take a written test and – you know what I mean? They give you a black belt when you're 14. It's not that way. And I I appreciate everybody who's in this journey because they are not, you know, they're not in it for the black belt because they would have not made it a long, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they're not going to make it if they're in for the black belt. You got to love the walk. That was something I thought about last week <clears throat> when I was thinking about uh, just belt rank. And I was like, well, where I am right now, I'm a blue belt. And, and I've been a blue belt for, for a minute. And, and I start thinking about it. It's like, well, am I in this for the belt itself? Or am I in this for the journey? Like, what am I doing this for? Right. And, you know, we all have our various reasons for training jujitsu, training any kind of martial art for that matter. And then, you know, we start to really think about it. It's like, well, if you're in it for the belt, you know, that's a silly thing just for the belt itself, because getting a, getting a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu takes, you know, it could take some time. I mean, hell, you know, getting your, your blue belt can take some time, to be honest, or purple or brown or any of the belts for right. that matter. Um, I, I think the belts are just, you know, nice little markers mm -hmm. along the way of your of your journey. Um, but what's the important thing is as you're learning this, this art, how, you know, it, you're never going to be complete because you're always going to be learning. This game is evolving so much, but as you get to certain parts, you know, there, there's gotta be kind of this comfort in yourself and knowing, okay, I have this knowledge now in my pocket. Mm. And it doesn't have to do anything with the belt. The belt is right. a consolation of this knowledge. Right. Like versus if like I could go on, I can go on Amazon right now and buy a black belt. Mm -hmm. It's 25 bucks. <laughs> you know, just because I have a black belt on though, doesn't mean I have black belt knowledge. You know, I asked my coach because my, my blue belt was getting worn and you know, I, I packed on some pounds. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I can't tie this belt. I was like, coach, is it all right if I buy another blue belt? I don't, you know, I'm just not, I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't, I feel weird about it. It was like, yeah, dude, go up to the front counter. You get a belt up there. Like we got, we got some belts. It was like, it's only weird if you buy the next rank. Yeah. Like if you show up with a purple belt on, we've got a problem. I was like, yeah, that's yeah, you're right. That is super weird. But I mean, but that's just the thing. It's like with, you know, with your knowledge, as you're moving along, the belts are just the, the consolation to the knowledge. Um, and I've never encountered anybody who's been like, well, I'm a purple belt, so I know more than you, or I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm this striped blue belt, you know, I'm better at this, or, mm -hmm. you know, I've encountered, uh, sadly on Instagram, I've encountered a couple black belts 
that that have been kind of shitty. Mm. But I don't. But then you start the one. It's like, are they really a black belt though? I don't know. It's Instagram. <laughs> but it's a, yeah, it, it's a it's a wild ride all the same. It is. What's nice about it is it's objective. You put a if you put a black belt around your waist and you walk into my school, everybody will know within your first couple rounds. Like, are you a legitimate qualified black belt? You know what I mean? And yeah. that that's not anything you can get in most other martial arts. You know, uh, you can BS your way through a lot. You can BS your way through a lot. You cannot BS your way through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You oh, can, no. No, no, no. yeah, you cannot BS your way through wrestling. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things that you just can't BS your way through. And I think that's perfect. And I think, that's what we need, especially as men. It's like we need that established hierarchy. It's like we all snipped at each other's necks. You know what I mean? A bunch of betas like fighting for the food while the alpha sits there and stuff. But it's like we all know where we sit in the hierarchy. And what's hilarious is like the people who are exactly at your level are the people you feel the most challenged by. Even though there's like a black belt who can beat the living crap out of you, it's like that guy, like, I cannot let him beat me. And you guys, most of the time you have like this weird understanding of that, like, uh, what, what's the word? It's like that challenge or that, uh, ongoing. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It'll come to me later, but like, you guys have that ongoing, uh, battle and it's like, you don't look each other quite in the eye all the time because it's like, I'm coming for you later. And you know, he's coming for you. And that those are the roles like you would dread the most in the gym. And that's, that's hilarious to me because we know we're, you are fighting with that other person for that spot in the pecking order. He's your next challenge in, in the pecking order. So like, <laughs> that's what I love about it. It's like the belts are nice and stuff, but it, we have a very established hierarchy and I think that's why military people are attracted to jujitsu as well. It's because like men tend to do very well in their hierarchical uh, uh, systems, their structures, you know what I mean? Yes. So, so I think it's a good, I, I think we feel healthy in jujitsu because you look around the room and you have the subconscious thing going on with each face you see of where they are. Are they above you? Or are they below you in terms of skill, in terms of belt rank, in terms of knowledge? And that's, that's good. I, I think it's really good. It, like you, that makes the pack or the community, you know what I mean? It makes it so much more tight knit. Yes. Yeah. You know I mean, because you've all like, sweat blood tears together and you know exactly where everybody is their strengths and their uh, weaknesses and i mean you could work with people for years and not know any physical attributes about them you know what i mean you could it's it's interesting because in in tribes that's the way we used to be you knew like exactly who was the strongest who's going to take over in this situation you knew who was good at this and like you knew each other so intimately well and jujitsu allows that i Finally, like for you to be in a community like that, I feel like itch that little like tribal instincts that we might have. It's I think it's cool. Rivalry. That's the word. You have a rivalry with that blue belt. You know what I mean? The I so you know, when you brought that point up, I thought about it. So it's like I can look at purple belts and brown belts, black belts in the class, and I'm not stressed. Mm -hmm. If I look at another blue belt, 
I'm not like worried, but it is. I know like like going against them, it's like yes, we're learning together, we're growing together. But you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm putting on my best. Right. So I'm I'm flow. You know, if we're doing a flow, I'm making sure I'm moving more controlled. I'm making sure that you know. You know, I'm showing I'm I'm the dominant one with the dominant understanding here. You know, it's like if I'm going with a purple belt, it's like, okay, you know, I'm your dance partner. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying not to fuck this up. <laughs> but like with another blue belt, it's like, all right, I, I'll I'll take the lead. And I'm sure they're thinking the same thing. So which is probably why a lot of times with white belts and blue belts, that flow, it goes from 40 to 50. To 60 and then all of a sudden it jumps from 60 to 90 yeah exactly like, like what the hell man because um, you have something to prove you know what i mean you're trying yeah. to fight for that spot in the hierarchy and yep. you, everybody knows the blue belt's not going to take over the black belt spot in the hierarchy so it's like that's how established it is and so that rivalry which is that word i was looking for earlier that rivalry you have with someone who's right at your level that's that's who you're thinking about in the gym. That's like, Oh, he better not catch me today. You know? Yeah. There, there was one guy back. Um, when we started training out early, we we're both white belts together. And he's a quiet guy, really nice guy. He's quiet. And I decided, you know, I'm relatively quiet as well. Uh, but I decided that's my rival. So that that's the guy that that's the and, guy <laughs> and part of it though is kind of like that's my rival but that's who i'm going to grow with as well mm. um I, I i'm a pro wrestling fan uh kind of loosely now but you know i grew up on it especially but i remember watching wrestling and watching the rock and triple h go back and forth and and, and you know on monday nights and you see these two characters going back and forth but they're also growing together as well Right. You know, and it was one of those things that always kind of stuck with me where it's like you see these guys that are on screen rivals. But when they're in that ring, you know, their movements, they're helping each other get better. They want to be exactly. better than the other, but they also want to help each other get better because as you're helping each other get, you know, if you help your, you know, your rival, you know, get stronger, that's only going to make you stronger and make your performances better. So, you know, with this teammate of mine. Yeah, I remember just, you know, we'd have we'd have some good back and forth competitive roles. He got promoted to blue belt before me and well deserved, but there was a part of me that felt like, you know, where did I mess up? Yeah. Like, like because we're both pretty even paced going to the same amount of classes, everything, but there was just something there that I had to question myself. And I was like, and, and that's just the thing though, too. It's because this is your own journey. So there's, you know, part of it where it's like, this is your own thing. But, you know, I was also then comparing myself with him because of that. And it's like, well, I shouldn't be comparing myself with him. You know, I should only be comparing myself with myself. And then shortly thereafter, I got promoted and, you know, uh, then the rivalry renewed. Because, <laughs> like, when he was at Blue Belt, and I was like, as a white belt, I was like, you know, there wasn't this thing of like, I'm going to tap him to show yeah. that I deserve to be a Blue Belt. It was like, you know. He's here, and even he was modest about it. He's like, you know, he wasn't like, well, I'm a blue belt. Let me teach you. No, mm. we still roll together. Yeah. There's still a good good um, chemistry. Dude, it's exactly because you know exactly, like, if you, you know exactly who's the brand new white belt compared to the white belt who's pretty much a blue belt. And, mm -hmm. 
Like everybody in the gym understands that the brand new blue belt's not going to be like, I'm a blue belt. Now let me teach you. You know what I mean? Cause like, it's all right there. We're all right there. And that, that's what you just made a really good point that I've always wanted to elaborate on is like, we all make each other better. Your rival makes you better. And like, let's say you're working on a move and you're getting good on a move on your rival. You know what I mean? And let's say I'm going for a triangle and let's say he starts defending the triangle where you're not getting it anymore. Right. What, what people I think need to understand, at least from my perspective is people are like, okay, the triangle's not working on anymore. I need to go for a different move. And that's a huge mistake. Continue to go for that triangle until it works on the person who knows your triangle the best and can defend it the best. And you continue to get it until you can say to that person, I'm going for a triangle on you. You know what I mean? And you still get the triangle and you still get the finish on that triangle, even though it's your rival who knows how to get out of your triangles the best because that's only going to perfect your that's only going to sharpen your technique. And so utilize it. That's what's making you better. You know what I mean? Shine. If your rival understands exactly what you're going to do and they can stop it and you're like, okay, I need to try something new. Like, no, that's you're dodging the point of making it better. And uh, I can't tell you how many people I see do that. They're like, well, I, I'll hear the stories where like, well, I was doing really good at this, but they figured it out. So I had to go to something new. Hell nah. Like, nah. Yeah, you, you you gotta. I mean, the the ideal too is if you're getting on that guy who knows it's coming, right? And and he defends it with everything he has, and then you go to a competition against somebody that doesn't really know your bag of tricks. You should be you know pretty proficient in getting that triangle. And then even if they're tough to get, that's okay. You've practiced mm-hmm. working to get that triangle on somebody tough. You know, especially against somebody that knows your every move, your ins and outs. So now you're going against a, a complete stranger, or you might be going against somebody you compete against multiple times. Right. But either way, yeah, you got to sharpen that that tool. Otherwise, yeah, if you say, "Well, I'm just going to move on," okay, well, the triangle isn't working anymore. I'm going to just start moving to the omoplata. Yeah. Well, now you got you know a half-ass triangle and a shitty omoplata. <laughs> you're not beating anyone with these things. You know, right? Have a have a a still trap triangle. And, and, you know, once that's, you know, ironed out, start working that omoplata in there. So, you know, make well, it all work together. Exactly. I, there's been that motivational uh, thing that's been going around on social media where that guy's like, the difference between an amateur and a pro is like the amateur will do it until they get it right. And a pro will, will do it until they cannot get it wrong. That hit me extremely hard because that is the perfect uh, illustration of like you go to your rival, you know what I mean? You go to your rival to make it till you can't get it wrong. Because if you do it wrong at all on your rival in the gym, they're going to get out. And so you, if you can take away every ability for that person to get out of that, then you can't get it wrong. And so, yeah, people, I, I noticed a lot dodge their rifles in the gym because they don't want to face the fact that they might be a little bit higher in the pecking order or, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to take that ego blow. And it's like, that's, that's who you need to be going with the most. If somebody, if some big dude in the gym, uh, keeps smashing you and you want to avoid them because you hate being stuck in bottom side control, you know what? Go with him three times in a row, starting off in bottom side control, bitch. Like, sorry. Like it's, 
okay. So like that's that's what makes you a martial artist. That's what made the brown belt a brown belt and the black belt a black belt. It's because they put themselves in every possible position and they did it until they couldn't do it wrong, you know? And for me, Absolutely. if I'm if I'm ever lacking, like, man, I got freaking tapped, you know, with a, a heel hook in this last competition. I will put myself in the worst positions on white belts, blue belts, purple belts, brown belts, black belts, all of them. I'll put myself in the I'll enter legs like haphazardly, you know what I mean? As you know, because I'm pretending like somebody just caught me, you know what I mean, in a leg entanglement, and I'll work from there and I will put myself in there until I cannot get it wrong. And that it's hard to it's hard to face that, you know what I mean? It's hard to hit those ego blows. I had a teammate, one of my primary training partners. Um, so I wear a colostomy bag. Um, and this one uh, training partner I had, she she was very well aware of it. And, um, you know, I'm more open about it now, but I still don't talk a lot about it because I don't want people to think, oh, I, I can't roll with you this way because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I told the guy I was running with the other day, he was like, we're, we're uh, doing guard passing and then going to neon belly. I was like, hey, could you just be a little careful on my left side? And you could see as we were rolling, he was a little, you know, moving a little gingerly. And I'm like, hey, man, like, don't don't I'm not fragile. And then he proceeded to beat my ass. <laughs> so maybe I should have let him be gentle. But, um, you know, my my um one, you know, training partner I trained with most frequently, at least I should say, um, you know, one thing that became frustrating for me with training with, with her as a female is like, OK. You know, I'm not trying to muscle through these things. So with her, I, I was forced to, you know, really kind of focus on technique. And and that became a, a kind of a big thing for me as we had more and more reps, it became more and more about, all right, can I out technique her? Because mm-hmm. I already know I'm stronger than her. Right. Like if I want to, you know, and I would always get a Kimura, you know, at least get the grip for the Kimura on her, but I would never like actually you know, crank the Kimura, but, you know, there are certain things I realize. okay, you know, just these little details, foot placement, you know, you know, when it comes to, you know, the knee cuts, hand placement, things like that, you know, picking up those, those little details um, and learning. And, and, you know, at times I would consider her my rival as well in that respect, because it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, she's so much more technical to me. I, I need to get to that level. Um, then there, you know, and then, you know, kind of going back to the, you know, the big guy that smashes you down in side control, you know, even thinking about that's like, yeah, you got to have those rounds with those guys too, because even when you think about jujitsu, I mean, you know, jujitsu, you know, is for the little guy, you know, to be able to kind of uh, defend himself against the bigger guy. So you get that big dude in there that's, you know, tipping the scales at about 250, 260. And he's got a little bit of skill with them too. This isn't just a big dude and they're just laying on people. You know, you, you want to have these situations where you got to challenge yourself because let's say you're out in a real world situation, you get into some kind of a scuffle and somehow you get underneath a big dude, you, you know, you can't just be like, oh man, I didn't train this last week. I'm just going right. to let the dude beat the shit out of me and take my wallet. Like, no, you know, get out of there and not even like get back to guard. No, you're in a street fight, you know, yeah. I don't want to be in guard. <laughs> like. Like, let me just get from under this dude and get out. But still, exactly. you, know, you want to have these reps in the training room where 
you like you said you don't want to do it until you get it right do it until you can't get it wrong mm-hmm. and i mean just to speak exactly to that i i never i'm 145 when i compete i'll compete up to like 150 you know what i mean um but i do absolute every time and usually I'm always the smallest guy in the absolute when I'm in the bullpen or whatever, I'm with giants and they're always like, are you lost? You know? So I'm always doing it. And I have, I've had a ton of success, uh, doing that. One of my last, uh, comp- no, it was a few competitions ago. Um, I went up against a 350 pound or he was 340 pound. I can't remember three forty, three fifty 350 pound, a sumo wrestler and like a national champion sumo wrestler. So this dude was 200 pounds heavier than me, not twice my size, bigger than twice my size. You know what I mean? 200 pounds heavier than me is and I weighed, well, at that competition, I weighed in at 145 and I was going back and forth between my bracket and absolute. So I was going back and forth uh, with no rest. I went up against this dude twice. Um, and the first match we went, my goal was survival. Like, okay, can I survive against this guy? Uh, he wasn't able to get any position on me. Uh, I played guard. Uh, nothing really happened, but which made me happy because, like, I didn't let this dude smash me. And then, you, like, I kept my guard the whole time. Threw up a couple submission attempts. He threw a couple submission attempts, and that was that. I lost by ref's decision, which was fair because he was being more aggressive. The sec- And then I started talking smack. Not smack, but, like... Uh, my buddy was talking to me and my wife was there and I was like, okay, like if I ever have to go against that guy again, like this is what I would do differently. And I was talking like all confidently and sure enough for our uh, finals match, it was him and I again. And so I was like, crap, I got to put all that stuff. I was talking and I ended up winning by a pretty large margin of points. I almost choked him um, a couple of times, but he was able to get out of it, but I won. I was able to get out from under him. I was able to take his back. I was able to like go for guillotines and use that to get to the back. You know what I mean? And do those things I was talking about. And I was so happy to be able to show the world and my students because I always post matches against me in the absolute bracket. So me against brown belts who are like much, much bigger than me. You know what I mean? And IBJJF has this perfect way of putting the featherweight with the ultra heavy as a first match every time. So like, so, uh, but this was one of those times where I was like, I'm going against somebody who is so significantly larger than me that it's like, can the little guy win against somebody? Not only just a big guy, but I want to say he's a blue or purple belt, uh, absolute division. And he is a nationally accredited sumo wrestler. So he knows how to move this 340 pound body or 350 pound body. You know what I mean? And I got to show my students in the world, like, you can be successful if you stick to your technique. You know what I mean? If you get those reps in, like, you can be successful facing anybody any size. You know what I mean? If I'm not the proof, then what is? And that's when I can convince people in my gym, get the reps with the big guys. You know what I mean? You have a blue belt, asshole. Like, that means you should be able to handle any big spazzy white belt. You know what I mean? That's true. Stop complaining. Like I would not have given you a blue belt if you were going to complain about the big spazzy white belt. Who do you think is going to be out in the street? It's going to be a spazzy white belt. That's exactly who you're going to encounter. 
So the fact that you have a blue belt is to say, okay, you're no longer a big spazzy white belt. So like control the big spazzy white belt, you know? And yeah. so like, don't complain about the guy who's so much bigger than you and just pressures you inside control. That's your fault. You figure out how to get out of there. I mean, it's my fault as a coach for maybe I didn't teach you well enough, but you know what I mean? It's like, stop avoiding that. What one thing that broke my heart and I'm getting long winded because I'm passionate about this is we had this guy. I hope he doesn't mind uh, me using his name, but his name butch and he's just a big guy i want to say he was 315 he's uh, he was over 300 pounds especially when he got started but he was a, a college wrestler knew how to move his body and what irritated me so much is no one wanted to roll with him at the beginning and when i say no one very few people like when it was live rolls he would go up to people like hey you want to roll like either no 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 you know this black belt brazilian once you know i saw like and I like so many people turned down roles with them. And I was like, what? This is like, this is your opportunity to get the big guy. You know what I mean? If you can learn how to beat the big guy who's a wrestler, like who are you going to fear in the street? So anyway, I would go with him every time I got a chance and we would have fantastic roles, but like, and I would be, I would be mean about it too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, as someone's asking him to roll and they deny a roll with him, I would scream. I'd be like, Hey man, like I'll roll with you. I ain't scared. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like, when you have someone like that in the gym, like that's a perfect opportunity to learn. Right. Like, Cause again, you're in a safe space. You, you know, you're, you're not in an environment where, you know, you go with this guy, you know, there, there could be the you know accidental you know you know injury you know mm. minor injury but it's like it's not again like it's in the street or in a you know competition where you're in absolute and you're going against someone who's going all out i mean and then also you know thinking about that dude on the other side of it too is like everybody's you know declining his roles it's like he's he's trying to work too yeah you know like we're all here to learn together so there's no sense in denying you know this dude the opportunity to learn just like everybody else wants to learn. Yeah. I I'm in the same page. It irritated the hell out of me. And so like turning, you're not better than anybody else in terms of like who you get to say yes and no to. Like, I understand like if you're a girl and you want to deny, like I, at my gym allow you to turn down roles with anybody at any time. Um, however, like in that scenario, like the fact that you would turn down that role because just because you're scared of getting put into side control or you're scared, you know, I'm you're scared to get mounted by the big guy or you know, what I mean, the ego steps in like, no, yeah. like you're in the room to kill the ego. Mm -hmm. You're that's what you're there for. And in fact, if you ever get that feeling, like I implore you, if you're ever in that feeling, where like, I hope the big guy doesn't get me because I'm scared of side control. I implore you to say, okay, I'm going to kill the inner bitch. I'm going to go with that guy two rounds in a row. And every time we reset, it's in side control. Just get it out of the way. Get yeah. get it out of your mind that that's a bad place to be. Well, also with that too, it's like, you know, if your fear is the big guy getting you in side control, then – don't let them get you in side control. You do everything <laughs> right. you can to stay out of side control. You don't want them to mount you. You work. You hustle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, and, and again, if that's something you're struggling on, here's your opportunity. You know, get to work. So we're learning. 
Right. Exactly. It's yeah. I'm I'm passionate about that because if you and, and maybe it's because like I want to be the absolute best at jujitsu that I can be. I want to be the absolute best, most efficient, most productive uh, jujitero, jujitsu practitioner, whatever you want to call it. I want to be that person. And so maybe I take it too intensely because other people are like, Hey, I'm a casual, you know what I mean? And I'm, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow. I can't be getting hurt this, that, and the other thing. So I kind of get that mindset, but at the same time, don't tell me you want to be the best. If you're telling me that you want to be the best, then that's, then you got to do that kind of crap. Ooh. And I think there's a line to that, though, too, because it's like you can say, hey, I'm a casual because, you know, I'm the first to admit. I always say, look, man, I'm a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, too, I'm still going there. And I know what time it is. You know, yeah. I'm not <laughs> going onto the mat and saying I'm a hobbyist. Don't, you know, don't put me in any arm bars today. Like, fuck no. I mean, you know, I signed up like, you know, if I'm rolling with somebody and they, you know, accidentally, you know, hit me with an elbow to the eye. And they apologize, and I appreciate the apology. But I let them know, I was like, dude, I signed a waiver. I know what time it is. You know, it's cool. You keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's like, you know, when you get in there, you know, if you signed up for jujitsu and and you know, you're pussyfooting around and you're just being a chump, it's like, then why are you here? Why are you right? You know, why why are you showing up? To, you know, wasting your coach's time, wasting your teammates' time. And it's like, you know. It's just like if you're gonna do it, do it with passion, right? You know, even being a hobbyist, there's still some passion in me about jujitsu. I mean, you know, if if I didn't have the passion for it, I wouldn't have you on here as a grappler. I'd be, you know, I, I have you know various guests on the podcast from different walks of life, but I like talking to grapplers. It's it's a learning opportunity for me. It it it, it motivates me. It sparks me. It's like God damn, I want to get out there right now. Like, right. Man, hold on, I gotta go. You would have to call up to my wife, Sarah, get out here. <laughs> like, I got the mats, you know, but that's the thing. There, there is, you know, passion in, in this, in this game that, you know, as, as you're doing this, if you're just coming out here like, eh, you know, if I get tapped, I get tapped. You know, it's like, then like, you don't care. Then what are you doing, dude? They like, mm. even, you know, even, you know, if I'm in a bad spot, someone gets my back. Yeah, you know, again, yeah, hobbyist quotes over <laughs> here. But I'm not about to let you fucking choke me. Right. <laughs> like, I'm fighting. It's like I'm putting in the work. It's like, as a matter of fact, yeah, I'm trying to keep you from choking me while I'm also trying to, you know, get you off my back. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. just the whole thing. It, you you got to do it with love. You got to do it with passion. You got to do it like it means something to you. Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing? You know, go, go, you know play tic-tac-toe then you know that, that exactly. that's a challenging game too and and it's it's less painful <laughs> exactly i'm i'm in the same boat is you you signed up for something that needs to be challenging yeah right and i get that it's challenging enough but like just being in there but if you're in there to challenge yourself like yeah if there's a big new spazzy white belt like okay i'm a blue belt i need to be able to control this you know I remember the day where it happened where I realized like whoever walks in that door, I don't care how spazzy or strong they are. Like I'm going to be okay. And that, that power that you have, like that control, that confidence, that is what we're trying to give you as a coach, as a professor, 
in the martial arts community. Why are you scared of that person? You know what I mean? Like that should be the person you're like, yes, I know exactly what to do because this is going to be everybody in the streets. This is what I've been planning for. Yeah. I mean, those, you know, spazzy white belts that come in, whether they're brand new or whether they're six months deep, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the count is, I mean, you know, again, a big part of them being spazzy is they're still learning. Mm-hmm. So take advantage of it, you know, like help them learn, but also get your reps in because yeah, exactly. those are going to be some of the hardest roles you're going to have because they're spazzy. It's mm-hmm. like, you, you, you can't really predict what they're going to do because you know, you just, they're spazzy. You don't know where they're going. I mean, I was there once. I remember thinking I came in, you know, off the street, I'm a you know football player thinking like, yeah, can't nobody stop me. I'll run through all these dudes. <laughs> guillotine left and right just yeah I, I was like okay and in you know as a you know self-proclaimed spaz back in the day you know i was probably the easiest dude to choke because i just kept running in head first getting choked right. but you know they they understood they knew where i was coming from then once i figured out not to do that it was kind of hard to predict because i was just my body was all over the place mm-hmm. but i learned you know i learned from my team you know okay there's a right and a wrong to certain things on the mat, but also like, here's, here's what we call technique. You know, if, if you trust the process, you're going to get better. And it's just, again, we're all learning. Let's do this all together. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to join this team, like you're going to be part of the community. And yeah. I always laugh because like in the, in the military, you know what I mean? You have that guy that's like, oh, okay, here's this guy, but he's still part of your family. You know what I mean? Like if somebody from like another platoon's talking shit to your guy, you're like, hey, get out of here. You know, like, yeah. like that's our guy. That's our weirdo. And like, and jujitsu, exactly. it's, like, it's the same exact way. It's like uh, that spazzy white belt is like part of your family now. You know what I mean? Like, you, and yeah, it honestly, you want him to become as best as he could be, not only to make you better, but to represent your gym better when you're yes. when you're out and you're competing and things like that yeah you want like okay that's your job now you know what i mean okay you're not a spazzy white belt anymore help the guy who is you just came from being a spazzy white belt so help him out yeah and and the, the representing your gym is a huge part too it's, it's that's huge in itself um just i know i've gone and visited um a couple different gyms and I always feel weird about it when I go there because, you know, I, you know, I, I come in as a guest, I'm polite and everything as, you know, I'm no different than any other time, but then it's like, man, if this dude gets me in a go-go plotter, <laughs> man, I don't know if I can go back to the other, like, my coach <laughs> call call, like, yo, what the fuck, yo? Like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are right. you going to Virginia getting, getting jacked up by, by, you know, <laughs> 17 year old kids with go-go plotters like they're learning jujitsu different these days <laughs> you didn't prep me for that but <laughs> you know you know it's like when when you go to a competition you go visit a gym if you're traveling stuff like that you are a representation of the environment that you are trained in and you know if i, I think there's a video that was going around ugh, this was a few months back there's a i think it was a purple belt visiting the gym and he he slammed i guess the the coach's son or the gym owner's mm-hmm. son who was a white belt um and you know that that there you know it's kind of a 
piss poor representation. Maybe it's not so much bad representation of your gem as much as it's a bad representation of yourself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's still, hey, you know, you came from this gym. Like, what are you learning at that gym? Uh, yeah. Know, purple and also, belt, he's a purple though. belt. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. Like, like, if you're a white belt and you do that, it's still not okay. But it's like, okay, you're still, you know, you're still. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, blue belt, you should know better at this point. Purple belt, that, that shouldn't even be on the table as an option of a mistake. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, but you, you definitely hit the hit the nail on the head with the, with the point of helping your team make it better because it helps you, but also that representation of not just your jump, but also our sport, you know, our our art, you know, when we're out there. Because I, you know, I went to my family reunion before COVID hit back in 2019. You know, I got cousins asking me about jujitsu. It was like they well, they weren't calling it jujitsu. <laughs> They're going to anything but jujitsu. It's like you know, kung fu. They, they, they did say martial art. They did say martial arts, and I, I appreciate that. But you know, it's like you know, getting the questions. It's like just being humble about it. At least on my part, it's like I'm not gonna. Hey, we uh, like let's go over here in this plot of grass over here, and I'll show you some moves. No, none of that. Because like, I'm, I'm not gonna be responsible. There's no waivers. <laughs> like, I got my cousins over here choking each other unconscious. I'm not taking that blame. It was like, you know, it would be on the news. Uh, Maryland man who trains at Crazy 88 uh, martial, or MMA, you know, trained his cousins to choke each other. <laughs> like, two are still in urgent care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, and how? We have you on the scene. Yeah, the guys are <laughs> shitting themselves right now. They're unconscious. Like, I think one just peed himself. <laughs> you know, and there I am in handcuffs. Like, man, I was just trying to ha- have some fun with my cousins, man. I don't know. So, I mean, but that—that's the whole thing about you know yeah. being a representation of the art. You know, it's like, you know, you don't go out there and be a know-it-all. You don't go out there and, you know, try to show a fancy move that you're for sure not trained in showing. It's like, like picture me at a family family reunion saying, "Here, I'm gonna show you a Peruvian necktie." <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like. No, none of that sounds right. And and next thing you know, you know, I I got a shattered shin or something. And, you know, one of my cousins got some vertebrae broken. It's like, what was he trying to do? Said something about a necktie. It's Peruvians. You know, the Peruvians, neckties. Fucking weird. Just lock them up. Just lock them up. Are you speaking a foreign language? Huh? I know, Um, right? I mean, that is one thing with jujitsu too, is like, there's so many different names for so many different moves. One of my coaches said, he said something. I just looked and I was like, I just blinked. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Like, he was like, the the rear neck could choke. I was like, oh, you should just say that first. (laughs) The the Mata Leon? Yeah. Lion killer. I was like, like, come on, dude. Like, yeah, even even if you said lion killer, it's like I know what that means. Like you know, when you said Monte Leon, I was like, I knew what he was saying, but it just for some reason I was just looking at like, why are we doing this? We're I know, friends. and all <laughs> you, all the people use uh, Japanese words for like, like Ashigarami. I can barely speak English, <laughs> and now you want me to learn Japanese? Come on, dude. Yeah, Ashigarami. It was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this today. It's like, it's, I'm a spelling bee champ, but guess what I'm not going to do today? I'm not spelling those words. That's why when I write my notes, 
I write out the exact movement that I'm doing in yeah. the note. I write the movement as the name. Like, <laughs> what's this move called? <laughs> like, whatever the steps are, that's the name. Yeah, I, I totally, I'm the same exact way. And what's frustrating for me is I'm a coach. So I'm always like, okay, I'm teaching this move, blah, blah, blah. And some people will like, okay, what's the name of this? And I was like, hmm. And I like look at my like super smart purple belt and he, he'll give like the name, right? And I'm like, okay, it's that. And what I realize is I need to start learning these names because when I'm coaching people in competition, I need to be able to yell out something where they understand. You know what I mean? Like one, what one or two syllables that they, okay, I understand the process. And that sucks because I don't know the names of anything. I'm a very conceptual kind of person and going from being a competitor and getting it myself to being a coach where I need to elaborate these ideas to these, uh, white belts, blue belts, purple belts in, in a concise order. I was like, crap, I don't know the names of anything. <laughs> like I, I get where you're coming from. And what's even more hilarious. Uh, I see those memes go around like of John Danaher. It's like, I'm trying to watch a John Danaher instructional. And then in the bottom, it says speaking Ch- or speaking Japanese. <laughs> like, you know what? You've seen those memes. It's like, yes, I can't, I can't with it, dude. <laughs> Like anytime I like, yeah, if I watch anything that down here is doing, I'm just like, okay, I need to be prepared. Like for, this is a smart day today. This, this isn't just a basic Dante day. This is a day where I, I need to actually pay attention. And it's like, there, there've been so many times I just had to rewind things just to hear what he's saying. Cause I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not writing that in a note. I got to figure out another translation. because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. Then I watched right. the video. I was like, okay, that means I'm just going to write this here because he's doing this. So um, as I'm like doing my Instagram spying, I guess mm-hmm. some would say research. I, I say I'm just being a, a stalker, lurker, mm-hmm. whatever. But then people tell me it's okay because they're like, it's okay. You have a podcast though. It's like, yeah, it's still kind of creepy though, I think. Um, it's not, I mean, I thought about that too. Like we put our stuff on social media so that way people will look at it. True. That, that like, is true. I'm putting it public and I'm very specifically choosing what I'm putting public. So that way you can build an image of me in the way that I want to see it. So it's like all that's there, you know what I mean? To be looked at. And I like, for example, I put work into putting into my post. So if you didn't look at my stuff, then it's like, then I'm doing it as a waste. Yeah. true. Well, I, I think there's also, I think in my head when I think about like, if I scroll back and look at a post from 2017, it's like, um, why are you looking this deep in my post? It's like, well, I mean, it's here. Well, yeah, exactly. It's there. But you also get to see the development of that person. What was that person like in 2017? Have they grown? Have they backtracked? You know what I mean? Like, oh, damn, he's got he hasn't gotten promoted since 2017. You know, or, you know, I don't know. Like, you are oh man. He's come a long way. You know what I mean? Like that dude got his blue belt in 2015 it is 2023. <laughs> he is still a blue belt. Like he should probably go find a new hobby. Yeah. Like I think Chess is looking for new people. Yeah. Um, I know. Um, as as I was looking through, you know, I came upon um, Flow State Jiu Jitsu. You know, I'm like scrolling through, looking at that. So, um, can you tell me, you know, a little bit about that and just, you know, what prompted, you know, the the upstart of uh, Flow State? So yeah, I. Uh... As I opened my gym, this is actually going to be a good long answer. So as I opened my Love gym, 
uh, I was partnered with somebody under combative fighting systems and combative fighting systems was his dad's uh, gym, you know, his name and stuff when we were using it. But as I was running and operating this gym, uh, there were so many new people because what we did is we opened up in a place that had zero jujitsu. So we were tapping a brand new market. And so almost every single person besides some people who followed us, they were all brand new white belts, right? And man, is it hard? Is it so difficult to get all these brand new white belts up to a level of some semi-proficiency? Well, at the same time, as new people come in, it's like, okay, do we start over? Because like, they're still kind of new as well. And so it's like, you have to find this thing. So um, one thing that I ended up doing is I created this online introductory course to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it was originally designed for my students. So it's like, I don't want you going on YouTube and looking up a bunch of dumb stuff, especially if you don't know how to do your research on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like you don't know who is credible. You don't know who's some just idiot blue belt who wants to invert three times to get to the leg. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, is that jujitsu? And the answer is like, no, that's not necessarily jujitsu. You know what I mean? Jujitsu is a very complicated, complex progression and evolution from a self-defense basic. And like, for example, if you watch some um, of the more advanced, like John Danaher videos, like for example, like as a brand new person, I would honestly be like, no, do not watch that because there's a lot you have to understand leading up to that for that to make sense. And I don't want you thinking that's the right thing to do in, in a street fight. You know what I mean? If I start spitting off quantum physics to you, you know what I mean? I've even taught you basic mechanics. Like it's all not going to make sense. So what I need before you can start throwing out the rules of what you would do in a self-defense situation, let's go ahead and start. So I created this online uh, business called flow state jujitsu. Um, and it, starts you from knowing absolutely nothing okay why are we grappling in the first place if someone cracks you over the head with a beer bottle and you end up on the ground like it teaches you how to be proficient in every situation so it takes you from knowing absolutely nothing about brazilian jiu-jitsu about grappling about martial arts and builds you up to get you to have to being semi-proficient in each position meaning like you have a transition a submission and escape from every position, every major position that you might find yourself in. And then that slowly leaks into the sport side of it. And I tell everybody that there are three jujitsus in the world. And that's very, very important to tell people because there is a self-defense jujitsu. And then there is a martial art jujitsu. And then there is a competition jujitsu. And those are very important to understand the purpose for all three of those. And the way we get better uh, in out sport jujitsu is what I refer to as martial arts jujitsu is that's where we build. That's where we put ourselves in every possible position. And people are like, well, that's not, you know, that might not apply in real life. And the answer is like, yeah, mats don't apply in real life either. You know what I mean? Like, uh, kimonos don't apply in real life. Fucking spats don't apply in real life. Like what we're doing is we're elongating our career and allowing ourselves to explore this thing we call grappling. And so it's like pure mathematics compared to a applied mathematics, right? And uh, 
theoretical physics compared to applied physics. And uh, what we need to do is we need to be the absolute best that we can as a martial artist, you know, as a competitor, we need, we need to be as good as we can at the game. You know what I mean? At the rule set. So if like I put you in a triangle and you lift me up knowing you can't slam me like, yeah, in real life, you would have been slammed. We're not talking real life. We're talking about how to get my goddamn hand raised. You know what I mean? At the end of this match. That's completely different. No one's going to care how the match went. You know what I mean? Unless you're super famous, they're going to care how many wins and losses do you have? Did you get your hand raised? Did you do what it took? I've seen so many people wreck somebody and lose the match because they didn't play the points. You know what I mean? And then in real life, of course, I wouldn't invert under your leg 99% of the time. You know what I mean? To do this. But at the same time, what if I end up in a weird position on the street and and I now have a tool for every single position I'm in. So what this is saying, and this is long winded answer to say is like how, why we go from self-defense. We start you off with self-defense to understand how it bridges the gap into sport jujitsu, which is the martial arts jujitsu and the competition jujitsu and why we make being a martial artist, your grand aspect of, uh, of your martial arts journey. So that way, when you do go get in a fight in the streets, you will have all the tools necessary. You know what I mean? Like being a martial artist helps you in both competition and self-defense. Being a self-defense jujitsu practitioner does not help you as a martial artist, does not help you as a competitor. Being a competitive martial artist does not help you as a martial artist or self-defense. Does that make sense? Like I'm sure there are parallels and crossover, but being a martial artist will help you in being a competitor and being a martial artist will help you in being uh, proficient in self-defense. So I take you on that journey to understand that. So that way, if you go through my intro course, you could probably watch any other, uh, any other uh, instructional and be like, okay, I get what's going on. I get the gist. You know what I mean? I get why they're doing that. You could walk into any jujitsu gym and be like, okay, I'm not completely lost. Like, I understand that this is a derivative of this. They're trying to do this. They're trying to go for that. Rather than walking in to Japan and not speaking the language whatsoever and everyone speaking Japanese, you're like, okay, I'm completely lost. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, this is over my head. What I'm doing is I'm teaching you the fundamentals to survive. You know what I mean? The basics to get around. And then, so anyway, that whole journey was called flow state because I believe very much in flow state. And then what ended up happening is I had a falling out with the combative fighting systems people. Uh, and that turned out to be really ugly. And so I ended up keeping the location in the gym and I named it after my online business, flow state jujitsu. And then, uh, you know what I mean? Just being a brown belt by myself was non-ideal. So what we did is there was another school who was, I mean, convenient for me, inconvenient for them, who was having problem with like the, uh, the lease and the landlord and stuff like that. So we basically joined forces. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? You bring your black belts, bring your brown belts, you know, bring your students. And you know, that way I'm part of a good lineage again. And, uh, so anyway, we joined forces and we kept it DC because he has a long lineage, you know, with DC fighters. And then flow state went back to being my online 
presence. So yeah, anyway, that's like the long-winded answer. Flow State Jiu-Jitsu is my online introductory course and my online instruction and things like that. Our physical brick and mortar school is DC Fighters, which is a branch of InFight. And um, I utilize Flow State uh, as my philosophical approach to what I believe jujitsu is, which is like, of course, like a Taoist approach and a stoic approach. And what we talked about earlier with like Bruce Lee and other martial arts where it's like be formless. You know what I mean? There is no technique, things like that. So uh, be like water, right? So that's why I uh, use the yin yang in my flow state because flow state is like kind of a branch the way Taoism literally means like the way. And so hitting a flow state when you're like in that perfect, uh, in that perfect present moment. And yeah, so that's, that's where flow state came from. I, I like the, the ideal of, you know, bridging, you know, all together because you, you always hear and well, when I say here, let me rephrase that. I, I, Sometimes I go to the comments sections. <laughs> I like to read comments. I don't read comments on my own posts. <laughs> you know, ugly. But I, I'll go to other uh, posts and read their comments. You'll hear people talking about, you know, sport jujitsu and how, oh, well, that's not going to work in a street fight. And da, 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 you know, you know, what stops them from slamming you, you know, on your head on the concrete in the street fight if you're trying to throw up a triangle and things like that. You know, so having you know, a clear um, line to, you know, explain like, look, this is sport. This is streets, you know, and then there's martial art, like, you know, that set there in the middle that kind of bridges the two worlds together um, is more often than not, you know, you, you run into that conversation point, or at least I, I see it in the comments. A lot, and a lot of times when I see the comments, it's people who don't train, you know, who are just mouthing off or they don't train jujitsu at all. They might train some other martial art. But there's, you know, a lack of understanding. So something like this does give kind of a good, you know, explanation. You know, they, even going back and watching UFC one, mm -hmm. or just older UFC with with Gracie, uh, Hoist Gracie, um, competing. I remember, I want to say episode was it this past year, one of our anniversary episodes. My teammate and I we sat down and we watched the first three UFCs and, you know, we kind of did commentary as we're watching and we're talking during the podcast and we're talking about Hoist Gracie's jiu-jitsu. Now, mind you, you got two blue belts here critiquing mm -hmm. Hoist Gracie's jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, but, the, you know, one thing that, you know, kind of came up was how much has changed since then. But then also something that didn't come up in that thought process was that jiu-jitsu was always, you know, kind of built as a self-defense, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, art. So, you know, as you're seeing Hoist Gracie do certain moves, no, it didn't look like, you know, some of the stuff we see now, because first off, you know, some of the things that, that you see now didn't exist then, or were mm -hmm. just frowned upon, but also, you know, jujitsu was meant to, you know, fight for your life, defend yourself. You know, I got to choke you with my gi. It's not going to look pretty. I'm mm -hmm. just choking with my gi, things like that. So, having the clear um, line between sport and street is I think extremely important. Yeah, absolutely. But 
people I don't think understand is like where the martial arts, the sport jujitsu uh, evolves in its practical application. So for example, there's this thing called uh, discrete mathematics and in discrete mathematics, like no one really thought it had like any crazy uh, real life application. It was just like a cool thing we observed. You know what I mean? And then now our entire computer system is based off discrete mathematics. You know what I mean? It found its application in the real world. Uh, no one thought prime numbers had any value other than it was like a cool thing that we could observe. Now all your cryptography and all your computers for security, uh, I would say 99, over 99% of them are based off prime numbers. You know what I mean? So it's like you never know when the theory is going to hit application, you know? And uh, we run into this a lot in physics. Uh, when, what's his name? J.G. Thompson, the guy who uh, discovered the electron. When he won the Nobel Peace Prize, he was like, the electron, like, may it be of no use to anybody. You mean they cheered or whatever. And now we run our entire grid system. Like, humanity can't get by without power because of the knowledge and the manipulation of the electron. We see this a lot in jujitsu where it's like, well, that wouldn't work in a street fight. In leg locks, I feel like is the perfect example. It's like, well, leg locks won't work in a street fight. And then you see people getting leg locked all the time in the UFC and MMA and stuff like that. Man, if it's going to work on a professional fighter, it's definitely going to work on somebody who doesn't know what they're doing in the streets. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like you get to see like, oh, maybe this does have application. And it, we would have never discovered that unless we were experimenting in the pure mathematics, let's say, or the theoretical physics that is the martial arts, uh, the lab, like you were saying. You know what I mean? Just taking it to a pure level. If I invert right here, can I open this up? And all you're doing is opening up avenues. You're opening up doors um, and possibilities in that room that somebody else can capitalize on later. You know what I mean? It's the internet. And yeah. Yeah, you you're like, oh my god! Like, if I never would saw that, I never would come up with this idea. And now this is a prime thing you can use in uh, a UFC fight. And now you got. I mean, I I would never do this, but like you've seen Ryan Hall successfully Eminari roll on BJ Penn. You know what I mean? And get a leg lock. You know what I mean? So what do you say to all the people like this would never work in a street fight, bitch? Like someone just Eminari rolled and heel hook BJ Penn. Like, you know what I mean? Like one of the greatest. So it, it's, it's hard to explain to people like, well, that would never work in a street fight. And it it's, that's not what we're talking about. You know what I mean? We're not watching a street fight. You're watching grappling. You know, we're yeah. watching a martial art. And if you want to see what I'm going to do in a street fight, let's go ahead and meet up. Like, <laughs> it's like, like my cousins will always say, you know, well, what if I have a gun? I was like, well, do you have a gun? No. What about the fuck you up then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, like well, this isn't even a question you should be asking. Um, I, I think also one of the things that people forget as well when, when you, you know, the shit talking is like, that wouldn't work in a street fight. You know, jujitsu doesn't work in the streets. It's like, you know, because they could just punch you. It's like, yeah, we could punch too. And we yeah. have jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like it's just like, oh, I'm in a street fight here. Let me sit the guard. And, and yeah, I'm exactly. going to try to grapple you. No, if I get the opportunity, I'll wrist lock you. You know, yeah. if, I, if, I, if I'm if i in a bad spot and I get a hold of your leg, he'll hook. 
you know, you know, the, the, the weapons are there. It's just, just because you see it in the sport environment doesn't mean it can't be applied. And again, in that sport environment, you're doing it on people who know that it's coming. They know how to defend it and you still, you know, lock it in. You, you go against somebody on the street, you know, as long as they don't got a gun, you know, and more often than not, what you learn is going to work. And I know even from my, my own, you know, uh, scenario, I'm just doing it to restrain somebody. It's like, just, yeah, to, like, you can't move, just calm down. Uh, you know, I've I'm done not that. Like, yeah, I, I've, I've had to restrain a person, but you know, never in my mind am I holding them thinking I can, you know, arm bar them now, like, mm-hmm. or I should transition to an arm bar. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, oh, okay. Or <laughs> that's a, great idea if you want to mess the armbar up and they get out and then stomp you yeah but that's also being being secure in in your skill like well you shouldn't be worried about losing the armbar but why even go to the armbar you've got why? you've got yeah. a good seatbelt grip you're holding them in place you've got hooks and they can't move or if you got mount you know anything you know you know they're, they're not going anywhere like people like to have this ideal of Oh, you know martial arts. You know you can fight in the street. Like sometimes it's just good to have it in your pocket to calm down the situation, or right. even better, verbal de-escalation. Because at that point of like verbally de-escalating something, I know that if it does get physical, I have the tools to defend myself. But let's go to talking this shit down first. Mm, exactly. Hopefully that works. Even if it does get physical, like you said, it's just restraining. If you can just get to mount or back and just hold somebody there, you know what I mean? You're going to be safe. And it's weird because people are like, well, I'm going to be able to punch. I'm like, well, how well are you going to be able to punch when I have your back? How well are you going to be yeah. able to punch when I have mount? You know what I mean? And here's the other thing too is like when people say, well, I'm going to punch. Are you pretending like I can't punch? You know what I mean? Like, like because I've learned jujitsu, I like no longer have the capacity for punching. And the example I like to give, it's like, okay, let's say I became the best driver. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I know how to drive in all scenarios. Like, I'm just the best driver. And people are like, yeah, but I have turbo. Like, bitch, <laughs> like, I have turbo too. And now I'm an excellent driver with turbo and you just have turbo. You know what I mean? Like, it. Yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird concept. I don't understand. And some, uh, I think it was Jeff Glover who made a post, but he's like, I never saw anybody in a boxing match be like, oh yeah, but like, that wouldn't work in the street. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, uh, you know how many rules are in boxing? Like boxing is filled with rules. And like, not only can you only punch, you can't use legs, you can't use headbutts, you can't knee, but there's a hundred rules about how you can punch. You know what I mean? You can't like put up guards and things like that, like uh, extended guards, like you do in Muay Thai and stuff. So like you have this very specific type of sport fighting, you know, like a uh, combat sport. And nobody watches a boxer and is like, oh, that shit won't work in the street. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. It's weird to me that we we compartmentalize fighting with with punching and striking when we've already seen we've already run the experiment. I can't I can't, how quickly we forget. We ran this experiment in 1993. We saw Hoist Gracie go through the best boxer without any problem. We saw them. We saw people go through sumo wrestlers. We saw people go through uh, Muay Thai. You know what I mean? We we saw it. 
We ran this freaking experiment already. What is the best martial art? And the conversation's coming back up. It's already coming yeah. back up. Which one's the best? It's like, we we already did this. It's on, go to YouTube. They, yeah. It, well, the thing that kind of becomes silly with that too is, you know, when, when you have someone that boxes, like I was out with an old friend, uh, we were doing some charity walk and, and she brought, I guess her, her new guy and he boxes and I was still fresh into, into jujitsu. I, I want to say I might've been a year into it if even, um, and you know, I'm, I'm excited. So I'm still just talking about just couldn't shut up about it. And I saw him roll his eyes. So I decided that, you know, cause I'm stupid, you know, kind of, you know, I didn't try to pick a fight with him, but you know, I tried to make it more like just, just, I, I just got more talkative about it. It's like, yeah. And if they go to do this, you do this. And, da, 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 da. and the thing is, is like this guy, I don't think, I think, you know, his, his, you know, time of training was about the same amount of time as my training. So it's one of those oh, ideas yeah. like, well, my sport's better than your sport type. And I was yeah. like, well, I mean, yeah, but if you miss your punch and, and then I go to take you down, I mean, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to do anything against me once you're on the ground. You don't have leverage to throw a good punch. If I got mount, I'm just going to smother you. You know, if, in in most people, I would say of all the people who don't train jujitsu, I would say a, a solid 80 to 90 percent of people, if they're on their back, they're instinctively going to try to turn mm-hmm. so that, you know, they're no they longer protect laying their on face. their back. Yeah. And in which case, it's like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to get my hooks in. And I'm, I can just choke you now or I can punch you. You know, well, we, I can do things. We even see that when Hoist Gracie takes down a champion boxer, he mm-hmm. turns his back. When we see him do it to a catch wrestler, he turns his back. Like these are practice martial artists. So you say 80 to 90 percent of the people like even trained martial artists turn their back. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and so you, we've not only run this experiment with new people, we've run this experiment with a very experienced people. You know what I mean? Hoist Gracie being yeah. experienced in jujitsu and uh, forget I I keep I was about to look up the boxer's name, but uh, when you went against the boxer, I mean it's insane. He's like, well, what if I can punch? Okay, well we already brought one of the best punchers in the world. Let's see what he does. You know, like I don't know. It's just weird that we've run this experiment and we're still running into this problem. Yeah, I, I think people just they're one thing I have to always remember as I'm older now. So no. I'll see stuff on the internet, like, cause I, I love movies. I love movies. I love comic books. I love music. And you'll, you'll see someone in their early twenties, you know, they'll put up a video and I know I'm not their target audience. So that's part of it. It's like, guys, did you know in 1996, <laughs> it's like, no. yeah, I lived it. I, I was there when in 1996 when this happened. So I, I was I there. That, I was alive. <laughs> they're like, oh my god, are there dinosaurs? Did you meet Jesus? Like, what, were, what were the 1900s like? Shut up! Yeah. You shut your mouth. <laughs> like my daughter's doing that now. She's like, don't do this. I, yeah. I will. I will put you up for adoption. Um, <laughs> but the um, I, I think a little bit of what. That is, though, that's happening with uh, MMA and, and martial arts now. 
it's like people forget like, oh, you know, that experiment was done. Instead, they just go like I, I think a lot of people in their mind, because the modern UFC and, and MMA where we're kind of at now kind of really came about, you know, early 2000s with mm-hmm. pride and 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 the UFC really picking up steam after the ultimate fighter. You know, even before the ultimate fighter, you had Chuck and Tito with their rivalry, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or Ken Shamrock and, and Tito, you know, all these things. So they think, oh, that's the cutoff date right there. That's when this all started. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. This actually got tested out in 93. Yeah. And and we, we saw, and even back then, people were still kind of like, no, we'll put Mike Tyson in there. Like, let Mike Tyson fight Ken Shamrock. And it's like, like I mean, okay, just let him know Biden's off the table. Like, <laughs> you know, there, there, there is that rule. But people younger people at least i guess i do still see some older people too because you got the older cats who who boxing is their sport and they won't let that go that i still know older people who look at box or uh, mma as not real fighting that's interesting it's like i guess i mean i feel like how is that not real fighting Ah. I, I think with that old school mentality is like boxing has always been kind of the the um, standard of what a real fight is and what a real man is when it comes to fighting. It's like stand up, put your dukes up and, and punch each other in the head and, you know, get CTE. You know, yeah. the oldies was wild, man. Like CTE, Dude, you know, they love that shit. That's the way the Brits talk to the Americans when they wanted to stand up and rally at each other. You know, like they would volley at each other. They're like, here, stand up and take all my bullets. And we have a bigger right. army. Like, no, we're not going to like, if that's no. your benefit. Yeah, exactly. And like, we, we fucking won that war. You know what I mean? So like, it's, it's insane to me that they're like, what the things they choose is that are real and not. And so like when it's unconventional, when you include more things into your weapons repertoire, it's like what made the United States a free country. You know what I mean? It's like that, that different type of warfare. And, and, when you broaden your horizons on how you can fight, it's it's like that's not real fighting if you can kick. Your legs are the strongest thing in your body. Like, why would that not be okay to kick? That if I'm going to get in a fight with somebody, I'm going to want to be able to use the strongest part of my body. And it's weird that you say I can't. <laughs> well, get, get I remember like slap boxing with a friend, and I, I threw a kick. You know, I threw like a little, and this is, you know, before leg kicks were all the rage in MMA, you know, yeah. but, you know, I threw like a little, just short kick more so to distract, not even like thinking, oh, that would do damage. Just kind of like the, you know, make them move their feet and, and mess with their stance. And they're like, no, why are you kicking? No kicking. And I was <laughs> like, why would I not kick? It was like, that just got, that just got a reaction out of you. You moved and now I can transition yeah. to this. Right. But also if we're going to do that, I mean, fuck it. I'm just going to, you know get in close and just tie you up, you know, cause that's, that's the thing, you know, in boxing, you know, you, you can't, you can't get tangled up. You know, as soon as you get into a, a hugging match, they, they split you back up and then make you stand back out and start throwing punches again, which, you know, there is an art to that, but that is less fighting than actually if we are, we get tangled up, we fall to the ground right. and now we got to grapple, um, you know, watching uh, UFC, uh, 283 with uh Glover versus uh Jamal Jamal Hill. I mean, that fight was mostly up on the feet, and then Glover got it to the ground and you know started to work. I mean, it's like 
that's a fight. Right. You know, you know, when you see people watching a UFC card and they start booing because a fight goes to the ground, it's like then go watch boxing or go watch kickboxing or go watch Muay Thai. You know, mm-hmm. and, and no one wants, you know, no one's rushing to go watch line fights right now. Like not not yeah. normies, at least, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, oh, I'm going to watch UFC because, you know, Conor McGregor, you know, he talks so much shit and da da da. It's like. I mean, Conor McGregor's, you know, the same deal, though. Yeah, if it goes to the ground, he he can, you know, you know, work there a little bit. But he's he's a stand up fighter too. Yeah, but well, yeah, if you're single dimensional fighter, you know what I mean. And I take away your game, like let's say you're an yeah. amazing striker, and I take you to the ground. Well, that's my win. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. gonna get that win. Period. Yeah. And do you, you, if you're a multi dimensional fighter, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we take it to the ground. You know what I mean? It's you. You can't. You can't have your Achilles heel. You can't have that. That was the magic of uh, watching GSP fights. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're a wrestler. All right. Well, I want to stand up today. Oh, you're, oh, you're a stand up striker. Well, now we're going to wrestle today. <laughs> and then, and then for funsies, sometimes people say, oh, you're a wrestler. Well, I'm a better wrestler. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, you're a striker. Guess what? I can do better than you. Yeah. But. I'm going to outstrike you. Then I'm going to rush you to the ground just to prove that I'm just overall better fighter than you, period. So, yeah. And, and that's, that's John Jones. Yeah. Yep. yep. It, it's like that's the beauty of, of this sport is when you have those fighters that can take the fight anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like if this is your strength, well, I'm going to take away. I mean, Gordon Ryan has said it. He's like, look, what I do as a grappler is if you're if you're a really good athlete, I take your athleticism away from you. Exactly. You know, because that's that's your weapon. Then take the weapon away. So I don't know. Love all this shit. Yeah, I know I'm in the same page. Why tell uh like God, he's so strong and he's so fast, he's so athletic. You know, when people are complaining, I'm like, okay, then kick him into neutral. Yeah. Like if he's in drive, you kick him into neutral. And then he's redlining, he's wasting all that gas, and he has no power, no torque. And like, what does that mean? Like, they don't understand. I'm like, you can easily take away somebody's athleticism, and then what do they have? They have taps. They can tap. You know what I mean? That's all they got. And that's what you need to be as a martial artist is you need to find what drives them and kick them into neutral, period. They they feel themselves pressing on the gas pedal, but they ain't going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like – and that's, you know, a big part of them saying, you know, jujitsu, I mean, martial arts, period. It, it's a chess game because, again, it's like, all right, you could be stronger than me. You could be faster than me. All right. Well, now I need to outsmart you then. I need to figure out how to take. I need to neutralize you. Exactly. And yeah. I always say when it comes to fighting, because, the, you know, the ultimate argument is Floyd me, whether like how would he do an MMA? I, I don't know. Because I don't think he's prepared for leg kicks. I don't think he's got any takedown defense. He's a boxer. I don't know. He could be. He could be secretly loving his shit behind the scenes and training his ass off. And people just think he's just a one trick pony. He's a boxer. That's all he could do. But one thing I always keep in mind too is this. You know, if you're a smart fighter, you have a better likelihood of winning. You like if if you're a boxer, you're going up against someone who's a grappler. You understand this. So, like, the one thing you're probably thinking, I have to know how to stop this guy from getting me to his zone, which is the ground. 
mm-hmm. you know, if if you're a smart enough fighter to at least understand that, you're you're a little bit ahead. Now the thing is, if you're going up against a grappler who's like, yeah, I, I'm glad you're aware of this, but I'm not taking no for an answer. You're going to the ground. You're in a whole another world of trouble. But at least understanding that, look, that's a possibility, and I have to be able to figure out how to defend it. And as a grappler, you're going against a boxer. The whole thing is like, I can't let that guy connect once mm-mm, mm-mm. Like, but, at all. Because he, if he does, that could be lights out. But you have more room yeah. to get away from a punch than you, you know, they would have to get away from a, a, a takedown. Yeah, some sort of lockup. And you answered your question already. How would he do? And you would say maybe he's training behind the scenes. That's how effective grappling is. You know what I mean? Let's say he has no grappling. It's a loss. Let's say he has no leg leg kicks. It's a loss. You know what I mean? There's no way. There's no way. He, and like you said, he would have to be training that, which means he has to be respecting the grappling, which means that grappling reigns supreme just as a concept. And there's something that you kind of mentioned earlier that I want to address that I don't think a lot of people address is people are saying like, I have to get in better shape. I have to get in better shape for jujitsu. I have to get in better shape for competition. I like my forearms are just killing me. And it's like, no, you have to get better at competing. Like you have to get better at grappling. If you ask me to run a mile right now, I would probably throw up blood. Like I, there's no way. What I've done is I become extremely efficient at grappling. I've become efficient at competing. Right. And it's like, okay, let's say, okay, let's say your strength right now is a six. And it's like, damn, you got your strength athleticism to a nine. Let's go compete. You're going to feel like a zero if you haven't gotten good at competing because you're going to freaking blow your load. Sorry. Can you say that online? Can you hear? You're going to say whatever you want. (laughs) You're going to burn yourself out because you're going to adrenaline dump no matter what. And so if you can only adrenaline dump with the strength of a six, you're going to adrenaline dump with the strength of a six. If you're going to adrenaline dump with the strength of a nine, then you're going to adrenaline dump with the strength of a nine. It did not make you better in that competition that you were a nine strength if you had no technique. Like that, when when you do these things, it, getting in shape or having this capability or things of that, it does not matter if you do not have the technique. Like I did not get better at, I did not get stronger. I did not get more athletic. I don't think and when I competed, but I started winning a lot more when I got better at competing, like my mindset, how I approached it. And the jujitsu room, I didn't get in better shape. And that's why I can roll for two hours straight. I changed how I grapple. And now I can roll for two hours straight grappling. I'm not in better shape. You know what I mean? I just learned how the, the art of grappling. I learned the art of competing. And that's why I said becoming a martial artist is it spans all that. So sure. you have to like, I'm not in shape. I'm not, you know, will they have the stamina to do this? Will they have, you know, the endurance to do this? And he's got an unlimited gas tank. And what you were saying earlier, you know what I mean? The, that's, you, you got to take that away from them. If you can take away an athlete, you know, that's, that's when you become the champion, I think is because it's not about being in better shape. Of course you need to be in a little bit of shape to like hold on to a lapel, but I mean, as long okay. as you're basically like not uh, like crippled in some way where you can't hold on to someone's lapel in a decent manner, like a champion could be, you know, look at Sean O'Malley. I'm sure Sean O'Malley is not deadlifting 
300, 400 pounds. I don't know. I could be wrong, but he does not look like somebody who's curling a car. You know what I mean? He doesn't, I don't see videos of him like deadlifting, like all this weight. And you'll see other people, you'll see like Burns and other people, like their training regiment. And John Jones is like deadlifting, squatting 500 pounds. And that's like, look how strong I am. I'm going to come murder you in the ring. I mean, say that to Adesanya. You know what I mean? Say that you have to be be a proficient martial artist when, when it comes to those things. So um, Khabib, you know what I mean? He went up yeah. with the best strikers in the world. Doesn't matter. I am a proficient martial artist and I'm getting you to the ground. You know what I mean? It did not matter. He And what was so funny is like people were so scared of him get, taking you down. He controlled the distance. Fucking pops McGregor in the mouth. McGregor goes down. You know what I mean? Like he became a good striker because he was so proficient at how he approached being a martial artist, you know, and that that's something that's incredible. And I think that people ignore a lot like, okay, awesome. You could run six miles. Is that going to help you grapple? Maybe a little, but if I can still take away your ability to do your game, then it did not matter. You're just going to run six miles into a wall. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh one one question you always see is you know cardio for jiu-jitsu or for any martial art for that matter but you know being in the jiu-jitsu world i see that question a lot you know you know what kind of car- uh, cardio training should i be doing for jiu-jitsu and it's like more jiu-jitsu yeah exactly yeah. you want to be a better grappler grapple yeah it's like because you know i i even think about it you know conserving you know your energy at certain points on the mat you're not going to learn that running around you know the lake or -hmm. running on the treadmill or on an elliptical you learn that being on the mat you know it's like okay i know this is a point where i can catch my breath but i know this is also go time i can't just sit here catch my breath and you know wait it out no it's like okay catch my breath go this is the next spot you know you, you have your 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 points of movement and your points of, you know, kind of adjusting and you don't learn that anywhere else. You learn that on the mats. That's no different than if you're a boxer, you know, or, or if you're, you know, doing Muay Thai or a kickboxer, you know, there are points where, you know, you're going to only get better with any of that strength training too. You know, like, you know, how do I get stronger for jujitsu? do more jujitsu and that's not mm-hmm. to say don't lift weights right you know, if you want to lift weights have a blast I, I got weights over here on my floor that i know they're dusty i'm <laughs> certain of it i haven't touched those things since my fucking daughter was born i think i don't know <laughs> well actually no because we had to move here after she was born so yeah i at least brought the weights over here <laughs> but the, the thing is it's like yeah if you want to lift weights and get strong that's not hurting your game by any means mm-hmm. but you know I wouldn't look at it as like, oh, this is a deal breaker. I have to get strong to compete. Like, like I said, I got my ass whipped, you know, by my teammate. He's huge. He's strong. You know, my thought wasn't to go home and start lifting weights because I got to get as strong as him. He's still mm-hmm. a better grappler. Like, you know, he he still has a better presence of the mat than I do. What I need then is to get myself in that position to understand the mat just as well as he does, if not better. And then improve my game based off of, you know, what I'm doing on the mat, not, okay, let me go do 500 pushups. You know, let me go do, you know, tons of squats. Will it help? Yeah, it'll help in some capacity, but 
if you're not working on your jujitsu, you can be as strong as you want. You're just going to be a strong motherfucker getting choked. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I made a video for X Marshall. I make some content for them. And that was like, what should I do to get ready for jujitsu? And I was like, maybe flexibility a little bit. You know what I mean? But I was like, you're not going to like the answer. And the answer is like, start grappling. And I was like, let's, you could do some single mobility drills. You know what I mean? Like practice your shrimps. You know what I mean? And that's not even helping you get in shape necessarily. What it's doing is it's mentally telling you, okay, this is what I should do in this situation. So that way, when it falls upon you in the room, you have something to do. It did not make you stronger. It did not make you more athletic. You know what I mean? Maybe like a tiny bit, but yeah, the goal was becoming more proficient as a grappler. Yeah. When I first started training, I, you know, again, I was a, I was a muscle head, you know, it was like, I'm lifting all the weights. I, I'm I'm running. I'm doing all the stuff. I'm an athlete. So what I would incorporate into my warm-ups would be, you know, my my warm-up drills from jiu-jitsu, shrimping in place, combat stand-ups, mm-hmm. bridging, you know, things like that, uh, uh, leg circles, you know, all these things. It's like, okay, these little things incorporated into my workout at least gives my body that understanding, that movement of, you know, just – something different versus, you know, my regular stretches, my, you know, you know, my yoga that I would do. It's like, okay, those things are cool too. It's helping me with my flexibility. Um, it's helping me with my body mechanics, but, you know, having the warm up there, especially with shrimping, just because as a white belt, uh, it, I had to, I had to get comfortable with shrimping because I was in bottom side control a lot and then figuring out, okay, what about mounts? All right. Well, I could, you know, bump and bridge, but there are other, you know, other things I'd end up learning along the way, you know, creating frames and, and, you know, making them lighter and getting from under them. But it's like figuring out all these other little movements, whether it's on the mat or even at home for your own warmups, it's like, it all pays off. And, you know, for, you know, my friends who've been like, you know, well, you know, if, if I'm stronger than you, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the one likely to win. It's like, nah. I mean, if you're squeezing my neck, trying to choke me, but you don't know how to properly choke someone, mm-hmm. all you're doing is burning out your arms and, and, yeah. and annoying me. <laughs> annoying. Yeah. Now you're making me angry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because once I'm out of this, I'm going to actually show you how to choke somebody. And I hope you're ready to go to sleep. And I hope you piss yourself. Dude, <laughs> my- that would suck. <laughs> My buddy, uh, uh, Purple Belt, uh, I did something stupid and he took advantage of it and he got to my back and he was trying to choke me. And I was like, you better kill me because if I get out of this and sure enough, when I got out of it, I'm like, you better like you better what, you know, like as a joke. Uh, But yeah, I like it's so true. It's like now you're just making me mad. Like you better you better finish me from right here because if I get out of here. And and it better not be something I showed you because if you're doing it wrong, now I'm pissed because you clear either I'm not a good teacher or you are just you just don't care about what I was showing. You're like, I can choke you. I'm going to do it my way. Like, why are you pulling up on my like? No, that's it's not. a No. Then then I'll do the the blue belt thing here. Let me talk you through the submission here. here. Like, all right, go here. Like, it's not really a tap if I'm walking you through it. Um, all right. So 
we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, Chad, this has been great. This has been a fun conversation. Good. Um, uh, like, I, it's like I'm sitting here, it's like I, I don't want to end, but I got to prep for the, I got another, yeah, exactly, an hour. So, um, <laughs> before we get out of here, uh, shout outs, mentions, anything you got for us? Heck yeah, go to my uh, Instagram, Chad the Dad underscore BJJ. Uh, I make a bunch of content for X Marshall. I really like X Marshall. I mean, I'm wearing it now. Um, so go check up X Marshall on YouTube. If you go to any one of my places, uh, flowstatejj.com, uh, that's my website. Uh, it still represents my brick and mortar. It represents my uh, online presence as well. If you go to any one of those, I have like a link tree that uh, puts all of them. I'm going to Brazil uh, for the month of February, and I'm going to be getting promoted to Black Belt and getting to go through the gauntlet in Brazil. Yeah, it's it's a cool experience. So uh, I'm going to be uh, making content of me in Brazil, but also when I get back, I'm going to start up my own podcast. I used to have one called Napoleon Complex back in the day because I'm small and I like to fight and I have a Napoleon complex, but I'm going to start up something new. I'm going to start up a flow state podcast. So that's in my link tree. I haven't started it yet, but anyway, like uh, if you listen to this, by the time I started it, go check it out. Uh, it's all on my link tree, which is on my Instagram. Uh, flow state jujitsu is the podcast. Flow state jujitsu is pretty much everything. So yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for having me. You're a popular guy in the martial arts world with your podcast. So well, thank you. Um, I, I'm I'm just a dude that 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 likes talking. So, <laughs> so, um, and I'll, I'll be sure to um, you know, put your links in the show notes yeah. as well. Perfect. Um, when, thank when you. We set this up. Um, and as always, to everyone out there listening, thank you. We do appreciate you. Um, if y'all got any questions, concerns, criticisms, always feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram, either one I check daily. Um, you can email me too. I don't check that as much, but you can shoot an email. I, I did. You know. Your BJJ <laughs> wiki. Yes. What? Yeah. You, I you, didn't know you that. Know. I did not know that. I, I, I didn't even see that. Oh my yeah, God. I, I, I share up. your shit all the time. I send you fucking posts all the time. That's hilarious. Yo, I love your shit. <laughs> I, I knew the podcast was good, but I freaking love the memes. I share BJJ Wiki memes all the time. So, like, I sent you a message from BJJ Wiki, and then I didn't get a response. And I was like, <laughs> all right, fine. I'll go over here. I'll go off the mats. Like, uh, yeah, like, well, my, Insta- my Instagram's layered a certain way of people who reach out to me. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I try to reach out to a lot of people or, you know, whatever. But, like... That's awesome. I didn't know that because I was like, man, I love this BJJ wiki page. Like, <laughs> I'm sharing this shit all the time. Dude, I feel pretty cool. I feel like I'm in the presence of a legend. I love it. <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and yes, I have uh, some of your stuff in the queue for reposts. Um, <laughs> Dude, take your time. BJJ I did. Wiki. I'm sorry about it. I, I'm always going to create memes and content and I just share it with everybody if they want to reshare you know so they just have a repertoire of like resharing funny stuff and i like making funny stuff but i had no idea that was you damn dude that's hilarious <laughs> oh. um so yes if if you all have uh 
in any questions, concerns, criticisms, uh, guest suggestions too. Uh, that that's been a thing lately. Uh, shoot me a message. I'm here. Uh, I like to give a big shout out to our friends over at Nerd Rage Radio. That's how I got my start. Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn, Phil, uh, Ricky, Tiki, all you guys. Love you guys to death. Uh, another shout out also to So You Like Horror. That's my other podcast. We talk about scary movies. Um, right now we're doing uh, select themes through the months. And also we're talking about horror through the decade. So if you're into some horror movie history, go check out the podcast. As I like to say, it's not meant for educational purposes. So don't think you're going over there to really learn. But we are steering you in the right direction of you know, things that were going on in horror back in 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so forth. So have a blast with that. Um, and Wait, hold on. Yeah. Sorry. Could you start horror movies of like the 1920s and stuff? Is that what you're so, saying? So, yeah, we just, uh, my wife and I just recorded an uh, episode last week uh, talking about horror from the 1920s. I'm in the middle of doing research for the 1930s. That's going to come out, ooh, uh, the second or the third week of February. And then the first Friday of March, we'll be doing the 1940s. Um, so Thank the episodes know. come out twice per month. So, so uh, the first help and me third with the time Friday. Right. Help me with the, yep. When was the cabinet of Dr. Caligari? 1920. 20, so, right? so it was, uh, it's funny because um, I just put up a post about that because that we, we uh we we went over that a little bit so that came out technically it was made in 1919 but i think the official release was 1920 mm. um and it's considered the first horror movie yeah the first twist ending yeah of any yeah movie. so yeah so it, it, it's it's we, we go into like little things like that and then is it is it the 30s would that be frankenstein era or so yep the, the 30s okay. will give us frankenstein king kong dracula freaks right. um bride of frankenstein dracula's daughter uh the wolfman is in the 40s which yeah. i made a mistake i thought it was uh late 30s but it's 40 so yeah but we're, we're um I'm, I'm having like select like guests on for those episodes so yeah if y'all are awesome. into horror movies and you want to talk about horror in the in the decades in this uh you know those early decades reach out to me because right now i don't have people lined up but i can't wait to do the 70s because that's my favorite decade of horror and the 70s might... oh fuck yeah dude I love <laughs> is that what kids. is that like the friday the 13th and so uh, no uh, those are the so, 80s right yeah the friday okay. 13th hit in 1980 so it just missed the cutoff Okay, but uh, 70s, you have such a blend of movies because you get The Exorcist, you get Carrie, right. you get The okay. Omen, then you get Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, you, you got Jaws, uh, Alien, you know, Alien, yes, I didn't know if that was 80s or 70s. Okay, yeah, I think it, it was a uh, 79, I want to say 78 or 79, but you, you like the 70s, I think, is what. If you say the 20s started horror, the 30s kind of defined horror, because you don't really hear the term horror movie as a genre until Universal coined it in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, those two decades were very important. The 40s and 50s, that's not to be like ignored. But 
once you get to the late 60s and deep into the 70s, the 70s set the, set the table for everything we got after that. Like when you get Scream in 1996, that that's all made possible because of all the horror movies from 70 through 80. Well, you got to consider but what's the- going on in the world. You know what I mean? Like, for example, oh, yeah. uh, like when you're just getting over uh, the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what what kind of what kind of filmography are you getting during the war? What are you getting right after the war? You know what yeah. I mean? And then what are you getting as the generation that was raised by the people who like survived the war? You know what I mean? And it's you can see yep. this kind of ups and downs of like like musicals were a huge thing in like the 40s and 50s because like yep. you know I mean? like you're trying to make people happier, you know what I mean, in, in certain scenarios. So yeah. And you can see yeah. how everything is related to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, how they like set up the the standard of what it means to be scary and how they all like kind of copy it and the demented like scenery like how much effort did they put into those like the setup the it's it's incredible even just the font that they use for for the poster it 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 tells you this isn't you know your your happy-go-lucky friendly film this is sinister this is something Mm -hmm. that you know you're you're gonna walk out as with chills um I mean that, and that's one thing we address too in a lot of these these topics during the decades is we talk about societal norms that are going on that affect the movies. Because if you want to understand a decade, look at what movies were coming out. Yeah, and music. Um, yeah, you know what I mean, oh, music especially. The seventies is my favorite decade because of music. When you listen to the music of the seventies, it tells you the story of the decade. Oh the movies God. are a little behind, but it still catches up because people always say, you know, these days, oh, Halloween wasn't scary for us because we're desensitized. But you right. have to think in the 70s, we had a lot of serial killers running loose. And then you get a movie in 1978 about a serial killer on <laughs> Halloween. Like, that's fucking terrifying. It so, is. It's I like, get it. So there's so much magic to it. But. Hey, man, if you want to jump in and, and be a guest on one of these decades with me, I am more than happy for it. Because um, right now, that's that's where the prep is going with all my research is getting into those. So yeah, um, I, if you would, I, I my degree was in math and physics. But before I, I, I could tell <laughs> before I got into uh, before I got into that, uh, when I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Uh, I did a lot of film classes and like communication classes and stuff. And though I'm no expert by any means, I just, the world opened up to me of how amazing film is as like a a study and an expression Uh of like an expression of what, like you said, what was going on in the decade, what was going on with technology, you know, like a big technological boom in the eighties. And then you have all the sci-fi movies of the eighties and you know what I mean? Everyone's just really branching off. Like, Right now we got the superhero movies, you know what I mean? And that's relating to you know, like, anyway, just art history and stuff is so much writ within film. And I never knew that until I took those classes. I just thought it was entertainment. So it, yeah. yeah. It, 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 I so mean, yeah. it's, it's an expression for <laughs> sure. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, someone speaking a language to, to us as the audience who we don't even understand that, you know, what's going on until these movies drop. And then, I mean, again, when you get to horror in the 80s, it gets a little campy, but the 80s in itself was campy. When you look at the music and then the 90s started getting a little grittier, but so the music got gritty, the movies got gritty. 
it, it it's just everything is all connected to our entertainment and the world that we live in you can get a story from the entertainment the 70s was my favorite decade when you look at music and movies followed up by the 90s because i lived through the 90s so right yeah same you know <laughs> The, the fleet but, um, yeah fleetwood mac and you know what i mean yep. like yeah I, in a lot of the 70s came back to importance in the 90s when we were getting, yes you yeah. know like jfk or oh, that's 60s but i mean um you know like the doors you know stuff like that they're making movies that then got the kids interested in going back and looking at the music from the 70s you know Dude, a lot of Forrest gump was sampling <laughs> yeah forrest gump did forrest did gump for i looked up all that music like uh a night was a night in the watchtower uh you know uh jimmy hendrix and fleetwood mm -hmm. mac and I, I got obsessed with these 70s rock artists you know what i mean because yep that's like you know, i don't know that that's crazy i i like that stuff a lot it, it, it that that's what sparked all of us in the 90s was the forrest gump soundtrack when the doors <laughs> came out you know everyone that i went to school was obsessed with that um, you, you ended up again with hip hop was sampling a lot of music from the seventies. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so the seventies was very important to the nineties because oh, yeah. a lot of those artists grew up during that time. And now they're telling the story that they grew up with. And right now, I think my wife said she was out at the mall. She saw a lot of nineties fashion. So here we are again, doing it all over again. So it's always 30 years later. Cause yep. I remember when the seventies and like I remember we went through the 80s phase and the 90s phase and yeah, mm -hmm. uh the 70s. But uh have you seen on Netflix that 90s show? Which is I, a branch so of that 70s show. I have it in my queue and I am going so I never really watched that 70s show growing up, but I am very well aware of it. And I saw like episodes here and there. My wife was like, I wasn't into it. I was like, Yeah, but the nineties is when we grew up. So I want to watch yeah. that 90 show. Exactly. But I also want to go back now and watch that 70 show and then really embrace the new one too, because I, I think the seventies and the nineties were two decades that and don't get me wrong. The eighties had its, its flares too, but the seventies really, really told us a big story of the world and where we were going in the nineties was the product of those stories from the seventies. Oh, yeah. So I agree, but where what was broke my heart, but at the same time, interesting is when the that 70 shits when that 70 show came out, mm -hmm. that same amount of gap time is oh, yeah. like that 90 show now, you know what I mean? And yeah, I find that really interesting because, like, when I was watching that 70 show, it, it's very much like, oh, that's forever ago, that's interesting, but now I'm like, oh, I lived through the 90s, like, oh crap, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's well, I used to be a preschool teacher and a lot of those kids that I taught back in the late nineties, early two thousands, they're fucking adults. They're about to be 30 <laughs> and it's freaking me out. I'm like, no, 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 no. What? <laughs> like, you can't tell me that kid's about to be that kid's 29. Holy shit. And then, then I realized, Oh wow. My hip does hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like, like i guess i guess they are about to be 30 because i got back problems now so all right thanks for so, having um, me on sorry i interrupted but that no 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 that was film is fascinating to me no absolutely i mean like i said if, if you want to uh work with me on an episode on so you like horror i am more than happy for it i i'm no expert but same i, do yeah, like I would be learning about it 
you'll be teaching yeah. me. I won't know nothing. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. Um, but as always, you guys can reach out. Um, and I love you guys. Appreciate it. You guys keep listening to the show. We're going to keep making them. Thanks, everyone. And bye. They probably said. Now let me see his song.